Career Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Nisar Ahmed. I am the founder and editor of the blog, careermatters.com. And this is episode 23 of the Career Matters Podcast. And this episode is part of the Expert Series. And for today, we uh, for the Career Expert Series episode, I'm interviewing Vicky Aubin, the Rockin' Career Coach. Vicky, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Nisar. I'm really excited to be here. I must start off by saying that I have seen some of your videos and some of your content, great stuff, very informative, um, and I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you uh, on board here on the podcast so you can share your wisdom. Um, but for the benefit of the listeners, I was wondering if you can share, tell us a little bit about yourself, Vicky. Sure, absolutely. I would love to, and, and welcome to everybody who's listening in today, too. So my name is Vicky Aubin otherwise known as the Rock and Career Coach, and I help career revolutionaries unleash their inner rock star, as I like to say, and reinvent themselves. So what does that mean exactly? So basically, I'm a career transition and personal branding consultant, and I help um, aspiring career transitioners who are desperate to transition to a new career that they love, that fires them up inside, that really matches their juiciest talent, skills, and strengths, but who don't really have any idea how the heck or where the heck to get started to even begin um, such a transition. So um, I kind of act as their transition co-pilot. I help them to identify their greatest marketable skills and strengths, help them understand how to position themselves and market themselves really powerfully to recruiters and employers at first impression, because you only have one first impression, and help them be successful um, in transitioning to a career, new career that they love. And uh, basically through that process, they're also gaining new skills and strengths that will last with them for a lifetime so they can navigate their careers with confidence going forward. First of all, I, where are you calling from? Which uh, city are you calling sure. from? Sure. So I'm actually just outside of New York City in New Jersey. Oh, perfect. Uh, I'm, I'm, I can guarantee there's not a lot of people here who do not know where uh, New York City is. <laughs> However, uh, I, I would like to hear from you since you're from there. Mm-hmm. What is something interesting uh, from uh, interesting or what's a fun fact about uh, about the city? Ooh, a fun fact about the city. I think one other, and I've actually been in the New York City area for uh, a long time now. Um, and I think the thing that I just enjoyed the most about it is that um, it's always awake. It is the city that never sleeps. And um, it's just uh, incredibly diverse. And I love that about the city. So this is really the place to come if you want to see um, a representative of of you know, every culture, every individual um, in the world, um, it's just, it's an amazing place to be. There's so much culture and art and cuisine, and um, it's just really a great place to be. It's kind of like, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of like a, the uh, one place where you can kind of see the rest of the world in one location. That's that. You know what? I totally agree with that because I've been there a few times in my life. Oh, fantastic. And, uh, and, and, I've always enjoyed it, and any I've asked anyone I've met, and I've been, uh, anybody who's been to New York, uh, I'm, I'm yet to meet someone who doesn't love the city. So I can <laughs> imagine living there would be much more awesome. Um, so you now going back to your introduction, you said you're a career transition coach. Mm-hmm. One thing I love to hear is from my guests is how they got started 
uh, how from where they were before to where they are now and uh, I would love to hear your story how did you become this rock and career coach yeah absolutely I would love to share that so um, not only have I been a recruiter a former headhunter and HR professional I've actually been a career transitioner myself several times so I definitely understand the trials and tribulations that my clients are going through as they are facing this big career transition in front of them um, so basically I um, I started my own career actually in the music industry here in New York um, and I held various roles over a period of about seven years. Um, I was in college radio promotions, uh, music conference management, and record label operations. Um, and then my career just sort of took a, a detour, and I actually ended up in uh, human, so human resources and recruiting in the financial services field. Um, wasn't a direction that I had planned to go in. Um, but I saw it as a new opportunity in which I was going to learn a lot. And um, I was at some, you know, pretty top global companies like Goldman Sachs and Deloitte and & Touche. Um, and my most recent role um, in the HR and recruiting realm was as a campus recruiter at, at Morgan Stanley in New York for their sales and trading division. Um, so all really great experiences, um, even my experiences as an executive headhunter. Um, to, to, together combined um, over the years really um, made me, uh, helped me see, um, you know, career development and, and career transitions from the perspective of both the job seeker um, and the recruiter. And after many years of being in that field, uh, I guess you could say I kind of had a itch um, for many years inside of me um, about potentially stepping out on my own and becoming a coach and working with job seekers one-on-one -on -one to help them launch their careers. Um, and um, in 2000, goodness now, what year is it, 2012, I think it was, that I actually decided it's now or never. Um, so I made that leap. I left the corporate world, and that's when I begun my um, career consulting practice. And I love what I do. Um, I love um, really helping individuals. Um, uh, you know, kind of uh, achieve achieve their goals and and have a career that um, fulfills them uh, because our careers are a huge part of our lives, right? We spend a great deal of our waking hours at our jobs in our careers, mm -hmm. and I believe that life is short. You only have one, so you should have a career that rocks. So that's how I'm the rocking career coach. So, <laughs> so that's my mission. Yeah, I was going to ask about the name, so thanks for covering that. Uh, that's uh, it's a great. I mean, it's a very catchy title, right? The Rock and Career Coach. Yes. So yes, and, it stands out. And and actually, it's kind of also because of my music industry background too. I've always been a a, a, a lifelong lover of music. Music is a huge passion of mine. It's been a huge part of my life, both as a fan and as a musician myself. So I've kind of tried to combine career development, personal branding, and my love of music all in one. That sounds perfect. Thank you. Uh, thanks for sharing your story. I always love to hear that because uh, it reveals a lot. Uh, one thing, I f one common thread I find, Vicky, is uh, usually the guests, the career experts I interview, uh, they use, they started using their own personal experience, and now they share it with others, and now they made it a career or a business. Mm -hmm. So that's perfect. Thank you. So I'd like to get into the uh, interview and. You mentioned that you help a lot of individuals with career transition. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming there are a lot of challenges they come to you with. Uh, but what would you say would be some of the biggest challenges that job seekers, your clients come to you for? Sure, sure. 
So um, sometimes um, they definitely have kind of like an, in the, an inner voice, a gut instinct, a passion that's kind of telling them what they want to do, what they know they want to do. But sometimes they're just not even sure um, if, if they can do it. Do, do they have the right skills and strengths? Um, required to make this transition successfully. Um, and even more so some, than that, I would probably say the biggest um, challenge facing a lot of aspiring career transitioners is, you know, what are my transferable skills and strengths? What can I bring to the table that will make me stand out over other people who have perhaps already been in a similar type of functional role or in this field before? Um, so I would say that's probably the, the, the biggest thing. And the, and the third thing out of those three items that I mentioned would be um, kind of lack of confidence or clarity as to, okay, well, I know what my marketable skills and strengths are now, but how the heck do I, do I present that and communicate that to employers in a way that's going to capture and hold their attention? Hmm. Um, I, I, that's, I think that's very common. Even myself, I've been in that position um, so when they are in this position and they come to you, what is the first thing that you recommend them change? Is it is it the is it something like a, is it their resume or is it their mindset that you help them change first? Mm, actually, I love that question, and I'm glad you asked that because um, mindset is definitely the foundation of everything I do. Um, because if you can't believe that you can do it, guess what? You're not going to do it. Um, so you really have to have that belief in yourself. Um, so. As I begin working with the client, um, one of the first things that we do is we um, uh, sit down and it's kind of like a you know personal branding power session, and we um, we kind of excavate um, you know what is everything that they've done in their career so far. What are all, what's the, the the range of skills and strengths that they've been using across various fields or different types of positions or titles. Um, and, and through that process, a lot of the times it's interesting because people will, will realize that they have so many more skills and strengths to offer that they either didn't realize they had, they didn't realize would be valuable to the new industry they want to be in, or that they actually even forgot that they had, that maybe they had used in a job some years ago. Um, so it's actually pretty interesting. I see that as kind of like a, a common challenge. And so, yes, um, one of the first things is actually sitting down and really helping them, um, like I said, excavate, um, you know, what's that, that portfolio of skills and strengths and experiences that they have to bring to an employer. And from there, we begin kind of, you know, crafting their new personal brand, which then we will um, apply to their resume um, and then their cover letter and their LinkedIn profile to start with. I think uh, it sounds like it's very effective because you're doing something like an inside-out approach, right? You're uh, identifying someone's strength mm -hmm. at the same time, what value they can bring to an employer. So it's, it's uh, I think it's, it, it helps them create a good match, doesn't it? What they what they have and what a particular employer is seeking. Oh goodness, yeah, yeah. That's um that's one of the biggest mistakes that I actually see career transitioners or even just job seekers in general making is that they send out resumes or cover letters or what have you, but they're in no way, um, you know, catering to the position at hand or what the position's about. And, and that's, that's the easiest way to have your resume fall into that dreaded black hole that everybody talks about, the resume black hole. <laughs> Where has my resume gone? <laughs> um, and um, so, yes. Yes, and having been a recruiter and a headhunter, 
and knowing how they assess candidates and knowing that they only look at a resume for, I think the average is like six seconds, but 10, you know, maybe 10 seconds at most, a, a person will typically look at a resume before they decide its fate. It's really important that um, first impression is as strong as possible. Thanks for talking about the resume black hole and mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned the six seconds. So that's a great transition to my next question. So you have been, you help people craft that great resume, but you have also been on the other side mm -hmm. where you were recruited. Mm -hmm. So according to you, what, what do you, what would some of the recommendations or tips be uh, for candidates to really spice up their resume and make it stand out? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. That's a great question. So um, first off, and this is a big mistake people make, um, people, job, successful job seekers and career transitioners um, really pay close attention to what is written in the job description. Um, I can't stress that enough. Um, so really reading it thoroughly and understanding what exactly would I be doing in this role? What are the skills and experience that, that um, would qualify me for this role, et cetera? And then keeping those, those keywords, phrases, concepts in mind as you're crafting or editing your resume or cover letter. Um, so that's one thing. And I kind of call that relevant. So that would be the first thing is relevance. Your resume has to be relevant to the job description and what they're looking for in that particular role. Um, one particular reason for that is especially these days, um, you know, we have the internet. We didn't always have that. We didn't have the internet when I started my career, believe it or not. Um, but now we do. And because of that, um, it's made um, it's made the uh, job search process um, more challenging um, because now because of the internet um, you know there's so many more people now that that have access to apply for new jobs than did in the past so there's there is much more competition because of the web and technology and how it's grown things move much more quickly I would say in the recruiting realm. So, and and because of those things, and because of the you know short time that recruiters have to fill roles, um, uh, when I talk about relevant search engine optimization is really critical to to a resume. So your content has to be relevant to what's in the job description, um, and in order to have your resume you know be ranked high on, higher on LinkedIn than it might have been before, for your resume to even be seen by a recruiter. Um, so I would probably say um, relevance in those different ways is um, kind of the number one thing. And then just in addition to that, just from a general resume perspective, um, resumes have to have impact um, versus just having bullets that kind of list what you did. Um, it's really critical that your resume shows the impact and the results um, of what you have done in those roles. You know, given that you did X, um, what's the Y that resulted from it? Um, so that's really critical, too, because employers um, don't want just somebody who um, has a certain background or skills. They want to know that they're hiring the person who has made a difference in where they've been, and they can come in and make a difference for their company now. So, Vicky, I mean, I, thanks for covering uh, all the different uh, aspects of the resume. And uh, it's good to talk about the resume black hole. That is something that is really frustrating for a lot of candidates, yeah. including myself when I was in the job search process. Um, one thing personally, I get a lot, con a lot of confusion because there's a lot of different thoughts and I'm sure the people listening to this want to know as well is the topic of cover letters. Mm -hmm. um, yes. There are so many different answers. So I wanted to ask your, uh, opinion. What do you think of cover letters? Uh, first of all, are they important? 
Sure. And actually, I'm really glad we're talking about this because this is definitely a, a hot topic, a controversial question <laughs> for sure. If you were to ask five different people, uh, are cover letters important? You'd probably get five different answers. Um, so I'm going to give you um, my take on on them. And my, my straight answer to that is, yes, they're crucial. Um, and the reason why I say that is for a, a couple of main reasons. Um, number one, your resume on its own, its job is to tell a potential employer um, what you've done, right? Um, but that's a very limited picture of you as a whole, who you are, what you're about, what's driving you. Um, so in other words, your resume is kind of giving just a one-dimensional view of you. Um, and that's where the, the cover letter comes in. The cover letter, I like to look as the resume is the what, but the cover letter is the who and the why. The cover letter is there to communicate uh, just who are you as a person, um, why are you so interested in this role at this company, uh, what's driving you, um, and really it's there to kind of really give them a, a I like to say, I guess three-dimensional or HD um, picture of you as a whole and telling them the story that the uh, resume can't on its own. Um, and another thing I just want to mention here, too, is that um, um, having been a recruiter, um, you know, if a recruiter has, let's say, 10 equally uh, equal resumes, uh, every individual has similar qualifications and background and academics, let's say they're all theoretically on paper equally qualified. Um, but the let's say the recruiter can only bring in, you know, five of them for actual interviews. So how the heck are they going to decide which five to bring in if they all look equal on paper? So this is where the cover letter comes in. Um, and if you um, write a very compelling, impactful cover letter that tells the story of who you are and why you really want this job so much, and most of all, why you are the individual who can make the biggest contribution to the company and how you can do that, um, that's going to tell a potential employer a couple of very important things. Number one, the fact that you wrote the cover letter tells them that you are very serious about this role. You're genuinely interested in it. Uh, interested in it. Um, you are a go-getter. You are somebody who does what it takes to uh, make things happen. Um, you have the professional courtesy to provide them with a the cover letter to tell them more about yourself as an individual. Um, and it really makes an individual strongly distinguish themselves and stand out from individuals who did not include a cover letter with their resume. Um, so that's kind of just the beginning of the topic, but that's, um, those are kind of some of the key things that um, I feel make a cover letter really critical. One thing that stood out for me as you were uh, mentioning about cover letters is how you broke it down. The resume is the what mm -hmm. and the cover letter is the who or why. And I think that, I mean, if anything, we, we, have, we have discussed so far so many great points. That really stands out for me. Thank you. Because... Yeah. Uh, and, and and you're correct, I think, when, for example, if they get five identical resumes, your cover letter could be their deciding factor that pushes you mm -hmm. out, uh, makes you stand out. Okay, interesting. Uh, so now we have covered the importance of cover letter. Uh, do you have or do you recommend a, some type of structure, uh, like what it needs to have in the cover letter? I understand it needs to have the who and why, mm -hmm. but... Mm -hmm. Um, for example, how long it should be, one page, two page, how many words, how many paragraphs, any any ideas or recommendations? Sure, sure. So I believe it should be one page. 
um, and for the simple purpose that recruiters have very little time on their hands. And since the average amount of time that they're spending scanning your resume is probably no more than 10 seconds, imagine what they're going to do with your cover letter. <laughs> so, um, and really, you know, if you think of it like this, if the cover letter is the first thing that they're going to open and look at, you really need to capture and hold their attention within a couple of seconds. Um, so I do, I do have um, a particular um, a strategy that I like to take um, around cover letters. Um, I believe probably four to five paragraphs is sufficient, um, and with the first paragraph being kind of an introduction of, of you, the candidate, um, the position you're applying for, where you found out about the position. Um, if you were referred by somebody for the position, that should be mentioned there as well. And then the next sentence in there, I think, is the most important one out of the whole cover letter, and that's where you very briefly describe the combined skills, experience, et cetera, that you have that you feel makes you the best, the best candidate for this role. Um, so that's the first paragraph. After that, um, I kind of like to call it the passion paragraph. This is where it's your opportunity to really forge a connection with the individual reading it. Um, so if you have a particular, let's say, connection to an employer. Um, let's say you've been a follower of theirs for years. Let's say you're a user of their products or services and have been so for years. Let's say you have a particular story um, that, that makes you feel connected to this organization. Um, perhaps you, you really admire or respect them for something that they've done um, or they intrigue you for some reason or another. Um, this is really an opportunity for you to really get personal and share that with the interviewer. And sh you know, sharing something personal it's going to capture and hold their attention. It's going to and it's going to show them that you're not somebody else who's just writing another bland, boring cover letter, um, because unfortunately, most of them are. Um, so this is another chance for you to really distinguish yourself by, you know, sharing kind of the motivation behind what's driving you to apply for this job. Um, the next paragraph, I kind of like to call it as the the meat per se um, of the um, cover letter, and that's where you'd get, you'd give specific examples of things that you've done that are um, similar to or mirror what would be done in this particular role based on the job description. And then from there, um, you know, you could have just a, a closing line um, thanking them, um, stating that you're very interested in the role and, and you'd love to, you know, you'd love the opportunity to discuss it with them further along with your contact details and then the closing. So that's, I think, is, is a, a very standard and strong uh, foundation for a cover letter. Perfect. Thanks for breaking that down. And uh, I mean, my, my favorite, of course, is the passion paragraph, right? And yes. I think, uh, people love to hear about themselves. And if someone sent, if I was on the other line and I someone sent me uh, an email or a cover letter and they mentioned why they are attached to the company, I mean, of course, I'm going to pay attention. So I think mm -hmm. that's like a good uh, in, in copywriting, they call it the hook, right? It's like, why should somebody? Could, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wh why should somebody keep reading? So that's perfect. Great. Uh, great. So, so far, Steve, we have covered the resume, the cover letter. So a recruiter has seen your resume cover letter. The next step is the interview, they, they call you in for an interview, yes. right? Yes. Um, so this is the part which is what everybody wants, but it's also the part where everybody is very, very nervous about mm -hmm. right now. So um, before we go into what do you recommend? Uh, I want to ask you on, on um, in, in your world in, in the time when you were a recruiter, what are some of the things that people, uh, what are some of the mistakes candidates made that 
immediately disqualified them. I, I, I hate to start off on a negative, mm-hmm. but I wanted to hear your perspective because you were on the other side interviewing candidates. Yes, yes. Um, and I'm actually glad you asked that question because I think it's important to talk about these types of things. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, so what are some mistakes I've seen people make? Sure. Um, so one of the first mistakes, honestly, since we just came off of the topic, uh, are generic, bland, boring cover letters that have not been customized at all for the particular position. That's the biggest mistake you can make, especially if you forget to change the name of the company that you're referring to in the cover letter. Uh, that's kind of instant disqualification. Um, so customization of the cover letter um, uh, is, is, is crucial. Um, aside from that, I would say, um, you know, it also kind of comes down same to the resume. Um, I've met uh, job seekers at different networking events or, or workshops or things, and, and they'll come up to me and say, Vicki, you know, I want to I wanna do X role or I want to transition to X type of, you know, uh, company. Um, but I'm getting no responses. What am I doing wrong? And I say, let me take a look at your resume. And instantly I know because there's nothing in their resume um, that is really relevant to the type of position that they're pursuing um, from, you know, general responsibilities and especially keywords, which we kind of talked about earlier too. Your resume has to be relevant. And I like to say, speak the language of your audience. You know, speak to the job description, speak the language of what you'd actually be doing in this role. Your resume has to mirror that as much as you've, you know, actually done those things. Of course, we want to be 100 percent truthful in a resume, um, but that's critical. And then I would even add one other thing, um, which is actually LinkedIn. Um, I, there are so many people who have complete, well, incomplete, completely incomplete LinkedIn profiles um, people who don't check their, their LinkedIn uh, email inbox, um, people who are just missing content in their LinkedIn profile. And when I was a headhunter, I was on LinkedIn day in and day out from nine to five. And when I would do a search for candidates based on certain keywords or qualifications, guess what? The people, you know, people whose profiles were bare, um, I would never see them uh, because otherwise, how would I know that they had those skills? Or sometimes I would try and reach out to somebody, but if there was no way for me to contact them and if they never checked their LinkedIn uh, inbox, uh, guess what? They missed out on a potentially great career opportunity. So I would say those are probably three of the biggest things. Yeah, it's uh, thanks for bringing up LinkedIn because uh, it sounds like based on your answer, every recruiter does look at LinkedIn, even though if you have a good cover letter or a resume. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, I would say so, um, because that's really that's, you know, that's the place to go to connect with professionals and people want to see, Okay, well, this person has this on their resume, but let's see what their LinkedIn says. And the other reason is because, um, as you know, on LinkedIn, your LinkedIn um, on on a resume, you just have one or two pages. Right. But for LinkedIn, you kind of have limited limitless space. So there are many things you can fit into your LinkedIn profile, additional things about yourself that you might not be able to fit into a resume. Um, and that's and you can really take a, a great advantage of LinkedIn that way. So, um, yes, recruiters will definitely check your LinkedIn even to see is it consistent with your resume? Um, you know, are there additional details about you that could even perhaps um, make you even more of a, of a, of a valuable candidate? Um, and even um, on LinkedIn, as you know, there you have the opportunity to have people submit recommendations of you. Um, in your work, that's huge too. That's definitely one thing that stands out to recruiters in a very positive way as well. 
Okay, got it. So LinkedIn resume cover letter, mm -hmm. you got it all packaged, you got the call, you go in for the interview, right? Mm -hmm. And you're finally sitting across the table or a group across a panel of hiring managers. Mm -hmm. um, do what are your recommendations in terms of how they should put themselves, the how the candidates should put themselves forward in an interview? Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Yes, interviews are a very sticky question um, because your resume can get your foot in the door, but the interview is real is where it really happens, right? It's the interview where they'll make you a job offer or not. So it's just as critical, I would say, even if not more critical than than your resume. Um, so a, a few things for for interviews, and it kind of uh, some some of the strategies follow similarly to resumes and cover letters, but I'll definitely say that, um, again, it's really about knowing your audience and being able to speak their language. You really need to be able to go into an interview really understanding the company, who they are, what they do, what drives them. Um, and, and, you know, what drives you? What, what's your motivation to want to work at this company? What are the specific skills and strengths that you can offer that will make a strong and immediate contribution to this company? Um, and also just, you know, being very, like we talked about speaking their language, being well prepared in terms of um, uh, being ready for, for potential uh, questions that might come up. Um, and a large part of it comes from really very closely reading the job description, which I think a lot of people miss out on. The job description is like your best friend. Uh, and if you, you know, study it thoroughly, understand what the role is about, therefore you know the types of things you should be ready to talk about from your background. And again, just understanding the company, what they're about, um, and just really knowing knowing your motivation and your reason, your reason for wanting to be um, at that company is critical because in the end, and I, I always say this, is that companies aren't looking to hire resumes. They're looking to hire people, right? Because you don't, they don't work with a resume. They work with a person. So that's why they ask different types of questions. And that's why you really showing them that you are serious, genuinely interested, driven, and motivated to succeed at their organization, make an impact, and that you're just enthusiastic and excited about doing so because Companies don't just want a person who can do the job. They want the person who wants to do the job for them. Interesting. So uh, going back to the relevance, I think that's like a common theme, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that your interview is uh, relevant. So um, you mentioned enthusiasm, and uh, that's something uh, I haven't heard a lot about for interviews because interviews, are every most advice out there is about preparation, mm -hmm. uh, answer all the questions, be professional. Mm -hmm. So when you said enthusiasm, are you t uh, could, could you expand on that? Because it, it's, a, it's like a fresh idea I'm hearing. So could you expand yes, on that? Yes, I would love to. I think this is something that is completely overlooked, but it's one of the most critical things to helping you win a job offer. Um, just kind of going back to the fact that, um, uh, and I know I've, I've sat in interviews, interviewed candidates, and they answered the questions, but that was it. There was no personality, no drive, no motivation, no smiles, no no anything. Why the heck would I want to hire that person? What would make me think that that person is motivated or driven and wants to come in every day to do a great job at this company, right? So that's just kind of to give you a, a, a beginning um, um, kind of look at, at enthusiasm. But enthusiasm is critical. Um, I know a lot of people say, oh, I get very nervous before interviews. I feel like I can't be yourself. I can't be myself. But actually, the interview is really the place where you want to allow yourself to be yourself. Because after all, 
you know, it's you, yourself, the real person, that's who's going to be doing the day-to-day work with, with you know, your, your colleagues at the organization if you get the offer. Um, so it really is about, you know, being yourself and not feeling like you have to be somebody else. And I think if you, if you prepare thoroughly um, and kind of taking into account some of the strategies we just discussed before about preparation, um, if you prepare well, um, you can be yourself. And lastly, I just want to add one thing to that, too, is you really, you, you know, you, you want to be picky when you're applying for jobs. And, you, you know, ideally you should be excited about the types of positions that you're applying for. So you want, when you go in for the interview, you shouldn't have to feel like you have to be fake, right? Recruiters can tell that, too, by the way. <laughs> they definitely can by how you answer questions, by your mannerisms, by lots of things, verbal and nonverbal communication. But if you're generally really excited and enthusiastic about a particular role, that's naturally going to come out in your energy, in your whole vibe, in your presence. And that's really what, you know, what what captures and holds their attention, like we talked about before. You know, they want most of all, they want somebody who wants to come into this company every day and do a great job. Somebody who's enthusiastic about that. Um, because that means you're going to be a productive worker, right? And if you're productive and you feel challenged and you enjoy what you're doing, you're going to thrive. And you're not only going to develop yourself further, you're going to help the company. And that's really what enables people to move forward more quickly in their careers is, is um, ideally, you know, doing something that, that you enjoy, doing something that you're motivated to, to do every day. So, Vicky, thanks for covering that. And there was a reason I asked that question mm-hmm. and you answered that before me. I asked that follow up question oh. because, <laughs> because uh, as you mentioned, interviews are nerve wracking, right? No matter mm-hmm. how many times you've done it, yeah. you're always nervous. And even like sometimes you feel robotic as a candidate. You have to go in, you have to answer those questions. But I think the key ingredient, as you mentioned, if I can summarize or repeat what you just said, is if you apply for the job or the industry you're excited about, you don't necessarily, uh, you don't necessarily it doesn't come across as impersonal, right? Right. So, mm-hmm. so I think it's, it's you're talking about uh, not necessarily enthusiasm, but natural enthusiasm, some excitement and passion about what you're going to do, rather than uh, like you know jumping up and <laughs> like a cheerleader type of enthusiasm. Okay. So that makes total sense. Thanks for covering that. Yeah, yeah, because I really believe that, you know, you have one life, you shouldn't settle, you should, and you should have a great career as part of that, something you really enjoy. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Uh, so now the final question in this whole process, uh, we have followed a process from resume, cover letter, LinkedIn to interviews. Uh, and this is something as an ex-recruiter, maybe you can uh, help us out here. Mm-hmm. The you mentioned the resume black hole. What about the post-interview black hole? Ah, you go to the interview. Yes. You, you, go, you know what you know what I'm talking about, I do. right? So you go to the interview. You have a great interview. You feel good about it. Then they said they'll get back to you, and then nothing happens. Or what happens? Like, why would that be? First of all, why would that be? Mm-hmm. And second of all, what can a candidate do? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. This is a, uh, I think this is a great topic of conversation. Um, so first off, so why does that happen? Well, sometimes we know, sometimes we don't know. Um, that's kind of a black hole in itself, <laughs> like you mentioned. Um, but there, there could be a, a number of different reasons why you might not, might not hear back. 
Um, number one, um, depending on the company, each company has very different internal hiring processes. Um, they may, you know, one company may be looking to fill a position sooner versus later. One company may perhaps have a longer timeline and want to, you know, want to expand their, their look at, at more candidates before they make a, a hiring decision. Um, sometimes it even comes down to, um, let's say that there are a couple of people who are their key decision makers and whether or not this individual gets an offer. And let's say if those individuals are away on business or on vacation, that can even delay things uh, by weeks sometimes. If, you know, if the key players who have to say the yes or the no are away, that can delay things also. People don't realize, you know, it could be really a number of different circumstances that could delay things. Um, you know, could be that they found somebody internally, perhaps, that they felt fit the role. Um, uh, but what it really comes down to, and I think your answer was, you know, why, why is it that you wouldn't hear back? And, and I have to say, it's unfortunate that a candidate wouldn't hear back at all, because personally, I feel that this is a courtesy that should be extended. But unfortunately, these days, that is not all common, I'm sorry to say. Um, so unfortunately, no, candidates aren't always given the courtesy of, um, of some sort of, you know, update or notification as to where their candidacy stands. Um, but this puts us right into question number two for, from you, which is what can you do about it? So these days, because, um, because the job market, it's so fast moving, the recruiting world is so fast moving. Um, and there are so many more other candidates in the pipeline, too, as well. There's a bigger competitive landscape as a job seeker. And um, because of that, um, you really do need to look at your job search and, and especially interviews. You, you really need to look at, th at this as something that you are proactively managing and steering. It's not something that you can look at as, as being a, a, a passive passenger, I guess you could say. You really need to take the steering wheel per se, get in the driver's seat, and really steer how and where your job search is going. Um, so if you're within a specific amount of time as was um, stated, then you absolutely want to follow up. Um, and you want to follow up until you get an answer, ideally. Um, and um, of course, with the right you know types of communication, so you still stay very, um, very positive in their minds as a potential candidate, whether they give you the offer or not. But I think it's, a, it's important. You definitely want to know, you know, where do you stand, right, in this particular um, opportunity. So you can manage expectations in that and in, in the rest of your search if you're looking at various positions at once, which most people are. Perfect. Uh, yeah, th th thanks for covering that because mm -hmm. uh, it, it's it's a common frustration, mm -hmm. right? Especially if you have done all the right things, as you mentioned, like mm -hmm. resume, LinkedIn, cover letter, interviews, then you go into this black hole. Yeah. So uh, the the thing I'm taking away from is you, you sh as a candidate, you should be proactive. You should follow up, and um, and it's and one of the thing is sometimes it's also themselves. Sometimes the recruiters or the hiring managers do not have the courtesy. So, so it's a combination of right, both. right. So, thanks. Uh, so far, we've covered a lot of topics, and uh, I'm, uh, if if the audience want, after listening to this, wanted to get in touch with you, 
Vicky, what would be the best way or best ways to reach you? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Well, my website is at therockincareercoach.com. Um, and actually, if they go there, um, there's a link on the contact page where they can message me. They can email me directly from there. Um, and I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, um, all those platforms. And I do have a Facebook. I have a Facebook page as well, The Rock and Career Coach as well. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, we've, this is the we're coming. We're coming to the final uh, point at the end of the interview here. Mm-hmm. Before we uh, sign off or conclude, Vicky, do you have any last words? Mm, last words. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, yes, I do. And 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 just to kind of reiterate some of the things that I had mentioned not too long ago is that um, your career touches every single part of your life. Um, you know, what, what you do for work, it impacts every other part of your life, not just financially. We all know that that's a big factor, but every other way as well. If you, if you're in a job, that's not a match for you, you're miserable in it. It's stagnating. Guess what? That is going to trickle down to different parts of your life. And, and that's unfortunate. And it's something to be really mindful of because, it's going to have a serious impact. And like I said, we were, we've only got one life, right? Uh, one time, one shot at it. And, and, you know, we should, we should make the most of it. You know, you, you deserve to have not just a job, you deserve a career that rocks, um, AKA the rocket career coach. So I think, you know, it's, it's really something that everybody should look at as it's, it's something that they have the right to have. But it doesn't just come to you. You have to make it happen. Um, and uh, and starting with the mindset and then all the different strategies that we talked about today, um, you have to make it happen. You have to be the person in the driver's seat of your career. Um, that's where I see many people kind of getting stuck and unfortunately taking detours from dream careers that they had intended to pursue. Um, it's really about being willing to do what it takes to steer your career in the direction that you desire. Um, and that's how you have a rocking career and a great life. Vicky, thank you very much for that wonderful summary. That summarizes, uh, and also a great way to close is uh, with, uh, it, it is inspirational and motivational to hear as well. So thank you. Thank you. Um, and, th- and finally, on behalf of the audience and myself, thanks for being a guest. You shared a lot of great points. Uh, I learned a lot. I'm sure the audience will also learn a lot from listening to this. Thank you. It was uh, wonderful. I had a great time and I hope everybody finds it helpful. Thanks, folks, for listening to this episode of the Career Medis podcast. I have written a brief summary of the interview uh, with links to Vicky Aubin, the Rockin' Career Coach's website. If you liked what you heard, feel free to subscribe to the Career Medis podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. If you enjoyed the episode and also learned something new, Feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you loved it, definitely go ahead and share this with your network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmed, your host for the Korea Medis Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.